Hi, this is Nicole Roberts-Jones, and welcome to the Faith, Purpose, Profit, what I like to call the FPP podcast. What I know for sure is that one of life's greatest gifts will meet you when you go after living as the highest and best version of who God created you to be. So here's where I share thought-provoking insight and behind-the-curtain conversations that will activate you into your next level. See, I'm not here for who you already are, but for who you have not yet become. And I want you to get this. One idea from these episodes can make a remarkable difference, not just in your purpose-focused business, but in your life. Also, make sure you join the conversation in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com. Now grab your pen as we begin today's session of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. We started a series three weeks ago called Cultivating Your Calling. So week one, we talked about why do you want it? And we looked at the motivation behind why you do what you do, your big why. Then last week, we talked, we talked about you must fight for it. Because let me tell you, just because God gives you a purpose, it's not going to be easy. And so we really looked at the motives behind you doing what you do. And so as we continue this conversation, and right before I do that, let me say this. If you've missed any of our conversations, I want to encourage you to go and listen to them on our podcast. That's at fpppodcast.com. And so with that, we're going to continue in our conversation this week as we talk from part three. You ready? You've got to cut it. Now, I want you to know, as I teach, I always build on the previous lesson. So that's why I want to encourage you to go back and watch the replays if you miss any. I see more of you joining. Hey. So with that said, here's the thing I think is so deep is that many of us want so much in our life. However, I wonder if you realize that until you're willing to release some things, you'll never get to where you really want to go. So our foundational Bible verse, before I start going in, because I forgot to read the Bible verse, <laughs> is Genesis 12, 1 and 2. And this is taken from um, Abraham, story of Abraham in the Bible. Um, and at this juncture in his story, his name is still Abram. Oh, did you know God changed his name to Abraham? Mm-hmm. So because he was willing to untie, because he was, excuse me, he was willing to cut it. Okay. So here's um, what's uh, what God says to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 and 2, that kind of got his party started. Mm. Now, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. It's like how many times did God have to tell Abraham he was going to make him great? Right. He said it four, four times in, in four different ways. I'm going to read it one more time. Listen to this now. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Now, why do you think God told him to get out to leave? See, because he had to cut what was familiar. Oh, we're going to go into that in a minute. Then he says, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. In other words, I'm not even telling you where you're going. I need you to trust me. We talked about that last week, y'all. So if you missed that, go back and listen to it. This is, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Again, that's Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Now in my study, because you guys know I always love to study when, I, when, when I'm getting ready for you, right? So in my concordance, here's what it says. Abraham had to act in faith because he did not know where God was leading him. He only knew that he would obey God he only knew that if he would obey God, God would respond by making him into a great nation, making his name great, and even using him to bring blessings to others. 
And I wonder if you realize that when God is stirring something up in you and wants you to shift and do something different, there's two things. One, God is going to make your name great. He puts you on this earth for purpose, with purpose, but you've got to be willing to let some things go in order to go and get it. And so that's really our conversation for tonight. Because listen, if you have, if your bags are too heavy on an airplane, you know your plane will crash, right? That's why they wear our bags. So have you ever realized that there's so much baggage often that you're carrying around everywhere you go and you haven't stopped long enough to cut it? And if you're going to go after what God has for you, if you're going to go after your abundantly above all, it's going to require you to leave familiar just like Abraham did. One of my favorite quotes from Stephen Furtick is fear is not the enemy of faith. It's actually familiarity because we get comfortable and we want to stay in places. And so there's three areas you've got to assess where you might need to cut. Now, let me tell you before I tell you those three areas. So when I think of cutting, what comes to my mind is pruning. And listen, pruning removes dead and dying branches and stubs, allowing room for new growth. That's a, that's a definition. Pruning removes dead and any dying branches and stubs, allowing room for new growth. See, I think sometimes we get so comfortable in places that we won't cut one needs to cut so we can make room for growth. How many of you guys have had a bad breakup? <clears throat> But you went through the bad breakup, you let the, you, you cut that tie and then, well, let me say me, I know my, my last bad breakup, which was hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I remember rolling on the floor crying. And then I said, wait a minute, let me stop. Let me know that God would not bless me with that mess. So whatever God has for me, I've got to release that in order to get it. Do you know I met my husband the next day? And that's real talk, y'all. You know, those of you that are here with me week after week, you've heard me say that before. And the reason I always share that example is because I look, I was blown away that God worked that fast. <laughs> it's not that he's not capable. It's just, are we willing to do the work it takes to let go of what we know, to go after what we do not know. And that is exactly what God is instructing Abraham to do in Genesis 12, one and two. He's saying, leave everything, you know, leave your family, leave your country, leave it all behind and just go right where you to go. And I'm going to make your name great. So if God said to you, leave it all behind, but I'm going to make your name great. Would you trust him? So those of you that said, yes, let's assess where you might need to let some things go. All right. So with that, let me get into this real quick. And I really want you to take a look at there are three areas that you've got to cut. If you're going to go after your breathtaking future and if you're going to let go of the baggage. So the first area I want you to look at is in your environment. So there's some areas of your environment. If I had a drawing in front of me, I'd have a circle. And these are all the pieces that are in your environment. Sometimes you've got to let go of family. And what I mean by let go, I don't mean we're going to talk about the difference between cut and untie in part two. I'll tell you what I'm going to do that because I'm not going to get into that right now. And my allergies are acting up. So you hear me sniffing. It's allergy season anyway. <laughs> so sometimes the way you were raised, you've got to let that go. You've got to cut it. Sometimes the way you were raised, so like I'll give you an example. I'm from South Central LA. I've learned things growing up, like we got to rob Peter to pay Paul, you know, we broke, all the things we used to say that literally had me in this broke mentality. I had to begin to shift that environment. Now, I couldn't let my mom and dad go all the way, and my father's no longer with us, God rest his soul. But if I was going to do something new, I had to let go of what I knew to go after what I did not know. So sometimes you're limited by your environment. Some of you are limited by the friends you have around you. 
You know, there, in my first book, I talked about this concept of looking at who's on your team because you have several different kinds of players on your team, right? And so you've got to begin to look at who's scoring points and who's playing for the opposite team. Who needs to be sitting on the bench and somebody needs to be sitting just watching the game all the way up in the balcony because they don't need to be that close. But you've got to begin to look at what's pouring into you and what do you need to cut so that you can grow more. You know, there, there's been times in my life where I've had to let best friends go because I realized that they just couldn't go where I was going. I've had to let team members go. Love them doesn't mean I don't love them anymore, but sometimes you got to let team go because maybe it's time for them to grow in a different direction. But you get comfortable and so you don't let it go. Some of you in relationships that aren't working, but you keep them around you. And listen, if you had a rotten piece of, of bread, or dare I say, let me say a banana. I'm trying to think of something that would smell really bad. Or meat. Meat would smell really bad. So if you had rotten meat sitting out, would you leave it sitting out and keep walking past it? Like, okay, yeah, it's rotten. I'm going to leave it there. Mm, yeah, that's rotten. I'm going to leave it there. And so it begins to smell up the whole kitchen, and then it moves into other rooms in your house until it just stinks. <laughs> or some of you are living a stinky life and you don't, well, you know it, but you keep acting like it's going to get better. It's not, it's not easier to stay. It's not easier to not do anything about it. Some of you know, this is a good one. You know, I was talking to a good friend of mine. She is, and this is all environment still. She is a coach, but she's a celebrity coach. And listen, whereas the majority of my clients are in the United States, I do have some international clients. The majority of hers are opposite of mine. She coaches and teaches and speaks in other countries. She goes to events where she is the only person that speaks English. And usually, if I keep it all the way real, she's usually the only black woman present. So she and I were having lunch. This was maybe about five years ago. And she's also a celebrity. So, you know, I'm not going to say her name because some of you may know her. And we're having lunch. And she said, Nicole, let me run something past you. I said, okay. She said, you know, I was at an event and I was so excited because it was an event full of all white men. And I was the only, as always, it's always all white men when she's going to speak. And she's the only person of color, let alone only woman in the room. And she was so excited because she saw a black woman. And the black woman was waiting around to talk to her. So every time somebody else came up, the woman let the person go up. So she was waiting until the end. So, so my friend was thinking, oh my goodness, maybe I can go to dinner with her. We're in another country. We can have some sister girl chat. She was so excited. And mind you, she's been speaking for years and had never seen anybody of color, let alone a woman. Okay. So after the entire room clears out, the woman walks up to her and says, how dare you come here and take all my work from me? And here's what I said back to my friend. I said, stop. I said, what color did you have on? Did you have on bright yellow, bright red, or bright orange? And she looked at me like, how did you know? She said, I had on yellow. I said, what did she have on, gray, blue, or black? She said she had on gray. I said, you know why I asked you that? Because she's conforming to what everybody's telling her she needs to be, to be in that room. And listen, corporate doesn't need any more corporate. And some of you guys are trying to mold yourself to the environment you're in. I just thought of a Bible verse. Of course, my Bible's not in here, so let me pull it up on my iPad. Listen, some of you guys are so busy conforming, and you're not doing what it takes to be the disruptor that you're meant to be in that environment. Corporate doesn't need more corporate. Just like the environment you're in doesn't need more of the same. So you're going to have to get out of familiar in that environment. You might be the person that's going to make the shift. You know, even for me to talk about bankroll, and Jesus in the same sentence is a disruptor to many churches, many faith-based people. But here's what God put in my spirit a couple years ago. Genesis 1, 28. 
to be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, that he created all of us to multiply our gifts in the world. And when we do that, we multiply and we serve more people and we are helping more people. There's that profit again, they're gaining, right? But then profit comes back to us. But here's the thing I want you to get. The more money you make, the more purpose you can do in this world. More money, more purpose. Because you can serve more people and do more good in the world. So I'm not talking about money as in the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? I'm talking about the serving people. Money comes back to you as a good steward of your gift. And then that money that comes back to you so you can live. Listen, you got to eat and pay your mortgage and do all the stuff that you want to do in this world. Just the same as everybody else. So why would God want you to serve and struggle? That just doesn't make any kind of sense. Does it? Doesn't to me. That's not my God. My God doesn't serve, doesn't listen. I remember when I was in my struggle years in my business and God dropped that exact sense in my, in my spirit. Why service and struggle should never coexist. Why would I give you a gift, bring you down on the surf to serve in that gift and want you to struggle? But because the church somehow put in my mind, many of us, that ministry is supposed to be free. Oh, God didn't say, now I'm not talking about prosperity. Where you, are you trying to buy Mercedes and, and, and Maybachs and all this? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying be, be a frivolous money. But what I am saying is that you should be able to live well and do well and do good work in this world. So you've got to stop conforming to what everybody else says you should do or be and transform yourself. Now, here's a Bible verse, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we talked about your mind, your heart in episode number two. So again, if you missed last week, go to fpppodcast.com and listen in. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're going to cut some things, you've got to stop and assess what needs to be transformed. God is a transformer. So if God's a transformer, then uh, hello, he's always cutting something. If, if God created every living tree, every living bush, everything that's out there, and all that has to be pruned, what makes you think? That there are times that you've got to cut some things back in order to grow more. Okay, I need you to get that. The greatest threat to your breathtaking future is your uh, is you trying to stay in what's comfortable, what's familiar. So I want you to do an environment check, right? I need you to take time to assess, number one, your family, and what do you need to shift around that? Listen, if my husband didn't get my business, well, first of all, he wouldn't be my husband. <laughs> Some of y'all need to cut that, <laughs> right? You shouldn't have to just be a part of your, a little piece of yourself to be in a relationship with somebody. But my mother for years used to call me a psychiatrist. So I just let it go. I stopped trying to explain to her what I do. I never, I have not gone to medical school. I can't prescribe a drug, but for some reason my mother wanted to, everybody was a psychiatrist. So I just let her have it. Now I believe she says it right, but I cut my tie to what she was saying. Do you get that? I think we get so emotionally involved and, and we want to control everything when the only person you can control is you. And what you allow yourself to be around and what you allow to be poured into your soul. I remember my mom and dad were going through a divorce and I remember my mother would be talking about my dad and I go, oh, I love you. That's my daddy. Find a girlfriend. You're not talking to me about my daddy. Because I had to really be mindful of what she's putting in me about my dad with then maybe had my dad and their relationship was different than my relationship. Oh, he did some horrible things to her, but that was their relationship. Not my business. <laughs> Well, it kind of was my business, but not really. 
And I told her, I didn't choose him. You did. So don't be mad at me that that's my daddy. That's your fault. But I don't want you to talk to me about him. So I need you to really be willing to be a disruptor. What do you need and what do you not need? Even some of you are in jobs where your boss just doesn't appreciate your greatness. Why are you there? Are you there because it's your investor and it's investing in you starting your purpose focused business? Then be clear. I'm not going to be here for long. I remember when I was in a job, I hated. I was clear. I'm staying here until I get my business profitable and then I'm out. And that's exactly what happened. But you've also got to not let them seep into your soul. If you grew up in a neighborhood that didn't, that you had a different mindset growing up, I need you to assess that and see how you're carrying it with you into this place. I want you to look at it, your family, your friends, your neighborhood, all the things that created you up until this point. And it was great and it served you well. But now many of you need something different and you're stuck in yesterday when God has tomorrow waiting for you. So number one, do an environment check. And, and you know, what's interesting is um, as I look down in my, it's three E's, by the way, the three E's you need to assess to look at where you need to cut. Okay. So I really want you to get this as you understand. That sometimes the environment you're in is not conducive to your growth. Listen, when a baby, a newborn baby comes into this world, they don't let the newborn baby into the atmosphere. They create their own atmosphere to incubate that baby. Many of you, the reason your business is not growing is you are not in the right environment to grow it. And it will never grow. How do I know? Because it took me 17 years to even understand that. Many of you know, for I've been doing this 28 years in September, it'll be 29 years that I've been doing this work. It took me 17 years to make a profit. You know why? Because I was incubate, incubating my baby, my purpose in the wrong environment. So look at what's around you and look at what you might need to untie. I'm going to give you some strategies to untie. Don't worry. Or cut, right? <laughs> Number two, the next area you need to cut in is expectations. Woo! And by the way, each area gets bigger. So first is environment. Second is looking at expectations. Number one, the expectations of other people that they put on you. See, nine times out of 10, when people put expectations on you, that's none of your business. That's their business. But you take it on as your own. You did that. Or maybe somebody violated you or did harm to you. And then people expect you to stay in this, a certain place because you went through that. Or maybe you think you should. You did that. So you got to number one, look at the parameters you're putting on yourself. Sometimes you're saying what you can't do when God is not an I can't kind of God, but you're being an I can't kind of person. When you say what you can't see, if you say you can't, you won't. But if you say you will, then you will and you can. But you put that expectation on yourself when you start saying things like I'm broke. Oh, no, I'm not ever saying I'm broke. I might say I don't have it in my budget at the moment. I'm not claiming long term that I can't, I'm going to have this money. I'm claiming for this moment. I'm expecting it to come. So what expectations are people putting on you? You know, I have a client who is uh, uh, now a reporter on a huge network. I'm not going to say where, right? <laughs> and for years, she didn't go into journalism because her family expected her to go to law school. So what did she do? She went to law school. She matriculated to law school and then she got all the way up to then get an offer to be a partner at her law firm. And as an African-American woman to get an offer to be a partner is huge. 
And she said, I had a choice to go up or go out. What did she choose? She chose a leg of expectation, perception, what everybody else said. And she went after the desire of her heart, which now she is on huge platforms that you watch every day because she said yes. She covered the Obamas in the White House. She was one of the on their journalism staff. But had she not said yes to her gift, her calling, the things she knew she was purposed to do, she'd been living into somebody else's definition of her life instead of her picking up a pen and writing it herself. You become the author of the definition of your life and stop letting other people put it on you. And then some of you guys are putting expectations on yourself that aren't realistic. Many of you are saying, I'm, I'm going to have a six-figure business in a year, but you're just starting and you don't have any strategy. So how are you going to do that? That's not real. Some of you guys are saying like, I'm going to quit my job in a year, but what plan do you have to quit your job? Listen, God does tell us to step on our faith, but he don't tell you to have stupid faith. He tells you to have wise faith. So don't put that on God when you talk about I'm stepping out on faith, but you do stuff and it's not strategic. So you put unfair expectations on you and you put unfair expectations on God. Look, Ilana just said the power and life, the power of life and death is in the tongue. The things we say to ourselves, right? So listen, what you, I said this last in last episode, what you think about, you bring about and even what you talk about, you bring about. So I want you to look at the expectations you have. And dare I say the expectations you have on God. Listen, don't limit God's ability to bless you. But when you think a small God, then God will be small. If you think, mm, okay, God might do a little something, then he's going to do a little something. But if you think God's going to do abundantly above all I could ask or think, put the expectation and let God rise to the occasion. Trust him like Abraham did. God said, leave everything you know. And for many of you, your job is no longer big enough for your gift. And you have the stirring inside of you to do something or be something different, but you won't do it because you want to send comfort. Instead of allowing God to blow your expectations. The last thing I want to talk about with expectation, and this is in alignment with what I just said. I think for many of us, this was me, by the way, and everything I'm saying to you, I'm not pointing a finger. I can point it back at me because everything I'm saying, I went through. I learned a lesson and I'm happy to hold the space so that it won't take you as long as it took me to get it. <laughs> but one of the biggest things we've got to do with expectations is let go of how. So when I say this, I always like to use this example. You know, when I go to McDonald's on one of my cheat days, I hope my trainer's not watching this right now, but I love me a good filet of fish sometimes, right? <laughs> so when I go to McDonald's, I drive up to the drive-up window and I place my order. And I say, hi, yeah, I'd like a filet of fish, right? You want fries? That? No, just the fish. And can I get a water on the side? Because I'm trying to be good. Sometimes I'll say, can I get apples instead of the fries? You know, trying to be good, right? Every now and then I do get the fries. Let me not lie, okay? So once I place my order, I go straight to the second window to pick it up. I don't think how, I don't think, I wonder if they have the special sauce today. I wonder if they have filet fish. I wonder if they have the bread today. I don't think about any of that. But many of us do that when we pray and ask God for something. Then we're trying to figure out how. We're trying to tell God how we want him to do it. The nerve. If God's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think, then you're not going to have any idea how he's going to do it. But you're going to put expectations on God. And say, hey, you know, I hope you had that special sauce today. Hey, you know, do you have that bun today that's on, on, already on the bread, <laughs> already on the sandwich? Do you have that cheese you already put on it? No. You just drive up like Abraham did. He left everything behind. He went to, he placed his order and drove up to the window to receive it. 
So many of you need to let go of expectation, let go of how you think it's supposed to look. Listen, to be honest with you, my husband did not look anything like I thought he was going to look. He's 12 years older than me. You can probably hear me. <laughs> he has two kids. And he looked all the way across country when I met him. But everything else he was, was exactly what I know God wanted in a man for me. He got me in ways that no other man ever got me. He loves God as much as I do. Let me tell you something. My husband celebrates my business. He's my, I call him my see no no because he thinks he works here. He probably can hear me. <laughs> but he celebrates me. He applauds me. This past weekend, uh, matter of fact, I got my honorary doctorate degree. Well, my husband has a PhD. He got a PhD. He's a physicist. Okay, I'm only sharing that with you because imagine a black man getting a, a PhD in physics. Just that by itself is like, mm, right? And you would think, because I got an honorary degree, which people think I didn't do any work. Baby, I've been doing this 28 years. I put in the work. But he was more excited about my degree than me. As I was sitting, because I, I attended my ceremony online, because I had a speaking event on Friday. He was so excited. He was sitting right next to me. He was like, I don't want to be on camera. He was texting people and calling people. And I'm sharing that with you because had I said he doesn't look like I think he should look because of my expectations, I would have missed one of the biggest blessings of my life. Many of you guys need to let go of how. I didn't meet my husband until I was 34. And my friends were married and many divorced by then. <laughs> I thought my how was 23. I'm going to have three kids. I'm going to... But God has different plans for you. And when you can let go of your expectation and let go of everything you already know to go after what you do not know. Listen, when I met my husband and he asked me to marry him and that meant I had to move. I was I was scared. I'm going to be honest with you. And I remember this like it was yesterday. So back then I had a for profit and a nonprofit. So I thought I'm going to call each of my board members individually. and They're each going to tell me, no, I can't move. So I'm going to have to tell him I can't can't move and I can't marry you. <laughs> right. This is, doesn't make sense. I know. So I called each one of them and each of them was excited. I was engaged and said, you know that you are called to go beyond California. So I'm so excited for you. Well, can, can you give me some of that excitement? Because I was scared. I have never lived anywhere outside of California. I've traveled places. I lived, I'm from LA. I went to school in San Diego. Okay. Two hours away. And now I'm moving all the way clear across country. I moved to Milwaukee first. Then we moved to Boston. Then we moved here. I live in the DMV area now. But the point I'm making is this. I didn't see how I was going to continue my business there. I didn't see how God was going to expand my territory. But I realized that God was moving me out of California. Do you know why? Because California had gotten comfortable for me. I had contacts, I had girlfriends, I had all these things that were going and God wanted more for me, but he had to move me out of comfort and out of everything I knew for me to grow in a different place, in a different way. And many of you, the reason your business won't grow is because you won't come out of comfort. You sit in expectation. You're expecting it to look this way when God wants it to look this way. We're going to stop here and take a quick commercial break and we'll be back for more. Hello, highly skilled professional. Yes, I'm talking to you. Whether you have a desire to start a business alongside your 9 to 5, or you've already started a business and you're ready to make predictable revenue. See, I've created something to support you, and it's called the Brilliance Roadmap Quiz. And guess what? It's free. Learn more about it at brilliancerodemapquiz.com. See, taking this assessment ask you some specific questions that will assess where you are in the journey and then from there you'll be invited into a five-part training again for free 
that will give you the tools you need to move from where you are into the next steps to start or grow your purpose-focused business right now. You ready? Learn more and get started today by going to brilliancerobmapquiz.com. As we continue from part one, um, this was our foundational Bible verse, Genesis 12, one through two, which is a conversation Abraham was having with God. Now the Lord had said to Abram, and by the way, he changed his name, right? That's a whole conversation in and of itself. Now he says this to Abram in Genesis 12, one through two, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Then you shall be a blessing. Now with the three areas to assess that are no longer serving you is really looking at where do you need to cut? And so in part one, we talked about the first two areas, which are your environment and looking at what or who is around you. And then part two, your expectations, expectations of other people and the expectations you're putting on yourself and really looking at the expectations you're putting on God or the lack thereof. So my goal in this conversation, as we I'm getting ready to walk you through number three, is really to encourage you to pay attention to what's around you to become present to observe and be aware when you're experiencing anything negative or unwanted, you know, thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and emotions, whether they are produced by you, your environment, or the expectations you have, again, put on yourself or someone else has put on you. Okay. So again, I want you to get this. I really want you to get this. You've got to notice it so you can cut them and let them go. Notice I said, I want you to be aware of when you're experiencing anything negative, unwanted thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and emotions. So yes, emotions is the third area that we must assess that is the most damaging to our purpose because anything in your environment or expectations that you're holding back or people are holding on you or whatever that might produce, it happens and it produces emotions in you. So I hope you got a pen. I want you to write this down. E plus R equals O. Again, write this down. It's the equation. E plus R equals O. Emotion plus reaction equals outcome. See, God is looking at how you act, how you act when you're angry, how you act when you're hurt or someone does you wrong. He's looking at how you act at work when someone gets a raise and you don't. He's looking at how you act when someone or no one, I should say, congratulates you. And he's looking at how you act when no one says thank you. Again, emotion plus reaction equals outcome. Listen, you disqualify yourself from your abundantly above all future because you react negatively today. Now, for an example, we all know the incident that happened between Will Smith and Chris Rock at the Oscars. So taking the E plus R equals O equation, Will got emotional uh, at his wife being teased for her hair, a condition that she's been devastated dealing with the process. Now, his reaction was to slap Chris Rock in the face and then yell about, you know, some colorful words in defense of his wife. Now, whether you agree with his action or not is not the point. I don't want to get into conversation about that. Here's what I want you to get. The outcome that he has now tarnished his 40 year career from one moment. See, every day. We are faced with a number of things that we have no control over, inconveniences, irritations, situations. But what you can control is how you allow them to affect you. You can control your outcome. Though you can't control the event, you can't change it. And maybe, not maybe, you can't control the emotions that come up for you in that moment. 
But what you can change, again, I'm going to say this over and over, is the response, emotion plus response equals outcome. See, most people think that the emotions equal outcome. But what they fail to realize is that the event that happens that then produces the emotions, then the response to the event then equals the outcome. So you want to not focus all of your energy on the emotion. Again, I'm going to say that one more time. You want to focus not all of your energy on your emotion because most people think because you're feeling some kind of way you're supposed to act on that. I want you to put more energy on the response that then determines the outcome. See, if you want to change the outcome, change your response. See, if Will Smith would have waited until he calmed down a little bit, I bet his response would have been altogether different. Oh, he still would have responded, but it would not have tarnished his brand. And who knows what the Academy is going to do? Oh, he's going to have some uh, outcome that we have yet to see. So allowing yourself to get stuck into the emotions of that moment is one thing. But one of the most difficult things that happen is really allowing the actions of other people to affect how you react, which then tarnishes your brand, not theirs. And I want you to get this. The actions of other people have very little to do with you. Oftentimes, we are really quick to lash out when we're upset or hurt. It's understandable because you're hurting that moment. So some people are saying they understand what Will did. But I want to encourage you before you act, you need to respect who you are and respect what you've created in this world and respect who and how people see you. Because listen, Will Smith worked 40 years for his brand that shifted in a moment. So here's what I wanna share about that. There's a Bible verse, Romans 12, 17, 17 through 21. This is the English standard version that says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's Romans 12, 17 to 21. Now, listen, you guys know I always like to give you a tangible example. And so because I've been in this work for so long and because, listen, many of you guys don't know the old Nicole. I don't think anybody that's here knew me back in the day. So I used to be a, ooh, baby. I'm from the hood. So trust, I was every um, stereotype, hand on my hip. I can cuss you out through and through. I could cuss people out so good that I could talk myself out of fights because I never had one. But baby, I could talk a good game. I'm saying that because I truly started doing the work on E plus R equals O. How can I shift my reaction? Because my reaction being from the hood was automatically to go into fight mode, which is what happened to Will. He forgot the work he's probably done on himself. And so literally, I remember, and I'm going to tell you all true vulnerable. I've never said this out loud in public, so I'm about to go all the way in vulnerable. Okay. So I was dating a minister. That's just two boyfriends before my husband, <laughs> okay, a while ago. And we both worked together at the church we worked at. So I used to be the director of the Family Resource Center, and I would bring programs and counseling and coaching and all these programs to the neighborhood and families that the church served. The church had 18,000 members. And my boyfriend was a minister. I'm not going to say what he did. And we were on the trajectory to get married, okay? So to make a really long story short, now, again, we worked in the same department, Okay. We were at a youth program 
And we were serving that night, serving the youth. And one of my good girlfriends was serving. And she was over talking to my boyfriend for a really, really, really long time. But I didn't pay attention to it. The next day, not only does she tell me that he's getting married, but he's not getting married to me. And I literally, literally, y'all, I was devastated. What I wanted to do was drive over to his house and key his car and, and let all the air out of his tires. I'm keeping it real because uh, he was marrying somebody else other than me. But who had he been dating? We're together all day, every day. He used to drive my car when his car wasn't working. I used to pick his daughter up from school. Who? What? So Sunday morning. Oh, and by the way, I didn't tell y'all he's announcing it at church on Sunday morning. So do I go to church on Sunday morning? Yes, I go. It was the hardest decision I made in my life. But I sat in quiet contemplation, calm my emotions down. And trust me, it, those of you that have gone through bad breakups, you know there's a whole wave of emotions that you go through. When I got to church that next morning and they announced it, so many people came up to me and congratulated me. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm not getting married. And people were just as devastated as I was. But I'm telling you this story because even he was, couldn't believe that I came to church. He said hi to me and froze. Come to find out he had gotten a woman pregnant. That's a whole nother story in and of itself. So I'm saying that to say this, that following week, we go to work and, and my boss, who's the pastor, calls me into a meeting. Now, mind you, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't go up. And, and when people said congratulations, I just said, I'm not getting married today. I'm not getting married. And I just keep walking. Now, old school Nicole, went, ooh, baby, I could have just messed his whole brand up. But I was like, I'm not doing that. Because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I kept saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to trust you. So to make an even longer story short, maybe two days later, I think it was, pastor calls me into the office and there my now ex-boyfriend is sitting. And pastor starts asking me a series of questions. What pastor soon realizes is that I was doing my ex-boyfriend's job because he was trifling. Mm -hmm. But see, I was overlooking things. And so pastor says, so if you're doing all his work, what do you think we should do? And I looked at my ex-boyfriend. I said, today is your last day. You can get all your things out of your desk. And, you know, and so I said all that and he left the room. I looked at pastor. I said, pastor, he said, I already knew you'd been doing his job. I was just waiting for the moment to allow you to have the opportunity to let him go. I could have never done that. Pastor said when he was at the altar, sorry, I didn't say this part. Pastor said that morning when he was at the altar, God began to show him all the work that I had done and that this man had done nothing. And he knew it was time for him to go. And he was hoping that I'd let him go. He said, but if you didn't do what I was going to do right after the next sentence. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I could not have done it better. So here's what I want you to really consider. When in a moment, experiencing, experiencing any negative unwanted thoughts, it, you really want to stop. And look, it does this person, place, or thing need to be cut totally out of your life, or do you need to untie it? Now, here's the thing, even as I just shared my story, had I acted a fool at church, which is what I wanted to do, by the way, and I kept saying, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I got up, I, by the way, I had on my baddest outfit. Yo, those of you that know me, I, I put on my baddest hat that day. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be phenomenal at church on Sunday because no one's gonna steal my thunder. And if that's supposed to be my man, he would be my man. And God would not bless me with that mess. So I just got to keep trusting him. I had to keep saying that over and over to myself so I could choose a different reaction because I didn't want my brand, all the work I had been doing in that church. I had my own business at the time too. I didn't want any of that to be tarnished, tarnished in a moment of me reacting crazy. And so here's the thing that I learned that I'm going to share with you is really understanding when do you need to cut somebody and when do you need to untie it? Meaning you remove your attachment to the outcome. Okay. 
So in my girlfriend's book, I'm gonna give you some resources for those, those of you that are dealing with this. One, my girlfriend, Sophia Nelson, has a book called The Women's Code. She actually has a whole chapter called Never Cut What You Can Untie. So I'm taking portions from her book, as well as my first book called Define Your Own Way. I have a chapter, it's chapter six actually called Who's On Your Team, okay? So I want you to consider three things and then I wanna really open up for conversation, okay? Number one, the value of untying. Number two, the power in cutting. And then number three, determining when to cut versus when to untie. Okay. So number one, the value of untying. You have to look at the fact that people are in your life for either a reason, a season, or a lifetime. A reason, meaning just for that moment, a season. My boyfriend was for that season. And baby, the things I learned from him helped me get ready because the boyfriend after that acted a fool too. That's I could write a whole relationship trilogy book, right? But until I learned a lesson, I didn't shift. Until I shifted my emotion, allowed myself to really look at what was being produced, I hadn't done the work yet. When I did the work, I met my husband. Mm-hmm. So he was in for a season. My husband's here for a lifetime by the grace of God. <laughs> so the value of untying is simple. It means you still have hope for the good you see in the relationship. Maybe not in the moment. Like maybe some, like, you know, I've had friends that are going, that are going through something in the moment, but you know, she's a good person. She's in a good place. She's gave, giving you great deposits in your life, but you need to give her a little space in the moment. That means you just need to untie. So it allows you to reconnect. But imagine when you have a knot in your shoe and you cut it, you can't, sometimes you cut it so bad, you can't tie it back. So let's talk about the power in cutting. See, in order to keep yourself in a positive space, working towards your goal, you must keep a positive or healthy mind. We talked about that in our last episode. So in order to keep yourself in this positive, positive space, you've got to cut all the negative people, emotions, and thoughts that haunt you and steal your joy and occupy your space. See, those, these things infiltrate your being and affect your ability to activate your purpose. And really, they show up in the brand called you. If that person, place, or thing just totally makes you feel not good about yourself or what you're doing, then it may be time to let them go to cut it. See, letting go means to release and to forgive anyone or anything that has hurt you or offended you. See, in that moment, my boyfriend, I realized I had to release him, that he wasn't mine. That God would not, listen, God doesn't change his mind. So if that man was for me, all of that would not have been happening. So by forgiving, releasing, and letting go, you are by no means acting like the you're not hurt or you're not angry or whatever's up for you. So you can't get rid of the circumstances which make you feel that way. However, what you are doing is choosing to not allow them to affect you. You're letting go. You're moving away. You're moving on. So you can't undo the past, but you can be done with it. Why stay stuck on what happened yesterday when you can focus on what God has for you tomorrow? And that's that baggage I talked about in part one. To do this, you've got to determine to move on by cleansing yourself from those emotions. And really, sometimes we've given our remote control to somebody else and they're making us feel these kind of things because we allow it. Okay. So in essence, you're reclaiming your own power, taking back your remote and giving yourself the gift of uh, peace of mind and the space to move into a place that will allow you to move towards your purpose. So the last thing, and then I do want to open up for conversation to hear from you. Number three, you then got to determine when do you cut and when do you untie? So I want you to consider the pros and cons of this person, this place, this thing, and decide if they should stay or if they should go. You know, like for instance, many of you are building your business alongside your nine to five. There'll be times that your boss will get on your doggone nerves. Mm -hmm. And really, I believe that's happening so that you'll quit and you'll have no income. 
So that's why you can't E plus R equals O. Your emotions, if you allow your emotions to make the decision for reaction, the outcome's not going to be good. But if you stop, sit, and shift your energy, then you can choose your reaction to get to the outcome you want. Okay? Think about the deposits and the withdrawals that this person, this place, or this thing are bringing into your life. As Maya Angelou says, when people show you who they are, believe them. And don't spend your precious time holding on to opportunities you should cut. Don't let an emotional moment also cause you to cut when that person should just really be untied. Like Chris Rock probably just needed to be untied. Ultimately, you must accept people for who they are. The only thing you can change in any situation is how you react to it. Then if that person is having a moment, again, it could just be a moment and maybe you need to untie them. So here's what I want you to get. I want to leave you with this. The words that Denzel Washington said to Will Smith after his moment of rage at the Oscars, he said, and I quote, this is what Denzel said. He said, at your highest moment, be careful. That's when the devil comes for you. So ultimately, this whole conversation about you've got to cut it and each of the parts of this series, I'm sharing it with you because if you're truly going to cultivate your purpose, you've got to be committed to cut anything that could hold you back from it and then untie in that moment if it's going to release you so that you can go after all of God's purpose for you. So with that, I'm going to hear from you, whether you need support, whether you don't know when or how to let people go or anything in between, we want to hear from you. So with that, raise your hand and we'll hear from Yolanda while we wait for you to come on up. Good morning, Yolanda. Good morning. My name is Yolanda Churchwell, and I help women entrepreneurs take the hassle out of their hustle so they can make more money and have more free time. I don't know about y'all, but I'm over here. I done wrote so many things because, Nicole, you all up my alley this week. Um, I don't even know where to start. Yes, I do. Um, a few weeks ago, my pastor preached about um, Balaam, and it's, the story is actually in Numbers chapter 22. Balaam went to Jesus, and he asked him about something, and God told him. Well, he went to God, and God said no. So somebody else kept pressuring him. Balak, I think is his name, kept pressuring him, and so he went. Balaam went back to God, and God said no. So Balak kept pressing it, pressuring him. So Balaam went back one more time, and God didn't say no. He didn't say yes. He just basically said, do what you want to do. That's what happens. Sometimes we need to be still and wait on Jesus. Um, my mom always say, for every choice, there's a consequence. And so I'm, I'm going to choose to focus on Balaam this morning. I'm going to let Will and uh, Chris have a break. But sometimes we... When Nicole said God doesn't change his mind, God never changed his mind. You can't keep going back to him thinking that you're going to be able to convince him that he should give you a different answer. Because what you don't understand is that he put everything in place long before we got here. So he knows every outcome. He's already ran every situation. What he needs us to do is to continue to be dependent on him and walk in the direction that he has given us. And sometimes you will have to decide, do you need to untie or do you cut? And trust me, I'm getting ready to uh, pray on this one real hard because I have some of these situations in my life. But I don't know exactly how the phrase goes, but it's something that says, don't let a momentary reaction make a lifetime consequence or something to that effect. But I just want to share, yes, it, it is. My mom said everything come back around. Um, and so it's biblical. What, what happened is biblical. You have to walk in what God told you to do. Don't think that he's going to change his mind. Don't get caught up in emotion 
and make a quick decision because what happened is Balaam then decided, I'm sorry, I didn't finish the story. He decided to do what he wanted to do. And what eventually happened is that he was put to death. Now, had he, well, first of all, him and his donkey had a whole fight, okay? And the donkey had a voice and, and checked him. That, that, that right there goes to show you God can use anything and anybody to get you right. And so what happened, though, is that eventually he was put to death when he didn't have to be. If he'd have just kept doing what God told him to, if he'd have just kept listening to the voice he knows that he's supposed to listen to, if he'd have just took a moment to recognize the difference between the voice he knows to listen to and the voice of the world. So I'm going to come back to Will. If Will had just taken a moment to check his emotions, to be still, I don't think God would have sent him up there to slap that man. There was a way he could have handled that so that it didn't play out in the public the way that it has and neither man's reputation is sullied and now we have this whole thing that didn't have to happen. So again, be very careful. That's why the Bible says, you, you have to make commitments. Commit to your gift. Commit to your marriage. Don't base it on emotions because emotions change. As the songs say, emotions make you cry sometimes. So that that's it, Nicole, because I'm just in my own emotions. I'm just so, yep. And, and here's the thing, and that's so good, Yolanda, as you were talking, what was coming up for me is I'm going to tell you, when I was going through that breakup, y'all, the hardest thing for me to do was to not act on my emotions. Now, trust me, it took me days and weeks and months of crying myself to sleep. Oh, it wasn't like I was healed overnight. I'm, I'm human, right? Even my pastor said, are you human? I'm like, I am human, but I'm also, do you know who God is? Because he couldn't believe that I came to church the next day. Shoot, I couldn't believe it, right? But the one thing I'm never going to do is allow the enemy to steal my joy. And so every moment, even in church, I had to fight and I'd be praying in my head. I'd go in the bathroom when I had a crying moment. I wasn't going to let the enemy defeat me because the thing I know is that I had a ministry in me. Had I not gotten through that, I wouldn't be standing here in the gap for you all now. And by the way, the next boyfriend did something similar. It was even more public, like, okay, enemy, you really going to try this again? I met my husband the day after that. So listen. There's a quote by Frederick Douglass that says, and I don't have it, so I hope I'm getting ready to say this right. There is no progress without struggle. Now, I'm not talking about struggle as in money struggle. I'm talking about, listen, you're going to go through some things. Life, uh, God never said life was going to be like some warm cookies and milk. <laughs> he never said, oh, you're going to have a, a glass of champagne and we're going to go through life together. I wish it was like that, but it's not. So as we wrap our conversation again, and we want to hear from you, so come on up if you have any insight, but I wanted to really, and really, I know that this conversation, God was pouring so much into me because emotions, and by the way, I had all this stuff outlined before that Will Smith thing happened. <laughs> so how deep God is. You want to say th something, Yolanda? Yes, because I just pulled that quote up. You know, when you said it, I pulled it up. And this is, I want to read it in its entirety because it so applies to everything that you teach us. It says, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. Those who profess to favor freedom and yet deprecate ag agitation are men who want crops without plowing up the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. Woo. Okay, that's, that should be a drop your mic moment right there. 
But, uh, but I really, I want you guys to realize that I know that all the E plus R plus O uh, equal O in my own life after I, after, listen, I've been saved since I was seven, but I didn't start having a relationship with God until I was in my twenties. Okay. So just because you get saved and you baptize, you get some water sprinkled on you or dumped in the water. Don't mean you, you have a relationship. I can say that from my own life. I didn't really start growing a relationship with God until I started my ministry. And that's sad. My ministry, I called into it before I really started growing my relationship. I'm laughing because if y'all would have seen the hot mess that I was, but God, the, the, the rolling my hips, cussing people out, I was doing that and had my ministry started. Let me keep it all the way real. But until you're willing to do the hard thing so that you can become a different version of you, which is why I love Abraham's story. His name was Abram when I just read that Bible verse to you. And when God told him to leave his country, he said, I will make your name great. He changed his name because, again, do not be transformed. Excuse me. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12. I think it's two. because I'm saying that by heart. And I want you to get this. If you're going to go after your purpose in the way that God has for you, you're going to have to cultivate it. So again, that's why I'm walking you through the three steps in this series. And so I want to leave you with a little gift today. I want to leave you with a Q-tip. Mm-hmm. I say Q-tip, which means quit taking it personal. If somebody would have handed Will a Q-tip in that moment, he probably would have copped his butt all the way down. So I want you to get a box of Q-tips and I want you to open the box and I want you to put a Q-tip in your purse. I want you to put one in your car. I want you to put one on your desk. I want you to put a Q-tip everywhere you can until you live the conversation of quit taking it personal. You've got to understand that people make decisions based on where they are, what they need, and it's not about you. So Chris's rock decision in that moment had nothing to do with Will. And maybe he was trying to spite Will. We don't know that. But if Will would have stopped long enough to quit taking it personal and making it about him and making it about Jada. And by the way, his emotional moment was about him. It wasn't about Jada. Sure, he was emotional about his wife, but the emotions he was feeling were about him. His reaction in that moment wasn't necessary about her because you didn't see her get up and move. She made a face. So you've got to quit taking it personal. You've got to check your emotions, check where you need to cut, check where you might need to untie, but then allow yourself the time and energy to calm your emotions down so that you can make an informed decision on how you want to act. So again, I say to you, get a Q-tip, remind yourself to quit taking it personal. And matter of fact, next time I see any of y'all in public, I want you to say, Nicole, here's my Q-tip. I want you to have it with you. So with that, that's our conversation for today. You've got to cut it. If you're going to cultivate your purpose, again, moving through our three areas that we've talked about, right? Over the last three weeks, trying to pull up my notes because I don't remember the topics myself, right? (laughs) Number one, you've got to really determine why you want it. Look at your motives. Why are you in it? Because it's your motives that are going to help you stop in that moment to make a different choice. Then you got to Fight for it because your mindset, again, the reason you've got to transform is because the world will tell you, oh, he should have been all up in his face and he should have, right? However, the 40-year brand that he created in a, it was like a two-minute moment has forever been tarnished. You can't go back and shift. Listen, when you say a word out of your mouth or when you do an action, you can't go back and erase it out of people's minds. So I want to remind you that you have so much greater purpose in you. You have so much more that God has in store for you. And as Denzel said, at your highest moment, be careful. That's when the devil comes for you. And many of you, you're playing it safe because you won't grow your purpose 
into all that God has for you because maybe you're afraid that the devil's going to come for you. But I'm more afraid of disappointing God than anything that the enemy can try to throw at me because here's what I know. As God says, vengeance is mine. When God restores, he always brings better. Everything I've ever been through, the, the husband that I have, baby, I go through that situation with that minister all over again, five times to have the husband that I have. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because God always restores. I am a living, breathing example of what it looks like when you allow God to do what only he can do. I've had bosses that have gotten fired and I didn't act a fool. I've had so many people that have done me wrong and I've chosen a different reaction than what my emotions were telling me to do. I'm inviting you into that same conversation to Q-tip, quit taking it personal. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Faith, Purpose, Profit Podcast. Now I want you to walk away from these episodes with value. So I want you to write down the answers to one of these questions. Number one, what was your greatest takeaway? Number two, what will you do different as a result of what you heard? You may have heard something you've heard before, or you may have learned something new. Either way, don't take the insight that you got for granted. I want you to commit to doing one thing different as a result of what you heard. And then I want you to share it. Share your takeaways in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com and use the hashtag FPP podcast. Now, the last thing I want to ask you to do, if you got any value out of this episode is to share it with your community. Post it on social media. Tell people to join our conversation by going to fpppodcast.com. Now, until the next time, be extraordinary, be unapologetic, be bodaciously all that God created you to be as you connect your faith with purpose so that as you be the answer you were born to be in this world, God can give you the profit you deserve as a gift for a job well done.